Good morning, Maple Grove. Good morning, Maple Grove. <laughs> a little bit better. All right. Hey, I, I want to start off our time together by reading two passages of Scripture. And then I'm going to pray us into our time of study. The first is in Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 9. We read, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Someone say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, the second passage from John chapter 8, beginning at, at verse 2, it actually was what we read in our faith comes from hearing this past Tuesday. And listen, if you're not doing this plan, you, you are really missing out. It's taking us all the way to Easter, just a few verses at a time so you can really meditate on them. And it's the version app. And I, I got to tell you that when you get to read the talking it over section where many people within our body are sharing what they got of that passage, it's so inspiring and, and so challenging to hear how God is speaking to other people. And, and you can always join in, right? And I'll probably send out another text with another chance for you to join in. But here's that passage. John chapter 8, verse 2. At dawn, he, that would be Jesus, went to the temple complex again. And all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. And the law of Moses, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They asked us to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. And I don't know if you saw the, the Passion of the Christ, but in, in that movie, at this scene when he write, I mean, Mel Gibson knows how to create a scene. I, I love the movie, uh, We Were Soldiers, and when they hit, when he hit the land, you know, the colonel said, I'm going to be the first foot that hit the ground and the last foot to leave, and like, he zooms in, and you see the colonel's foot hit the ground and to be the last to leave. And, and, I mean, this is such a powerful scene as he begins writing in the sand. When they persisted in questioning him, he, he stood up and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you. And Jesus said, go. Leave this place where these guys drug you just to condemn you. Go 
And from now on, do not sin anymore. You know, sometimes we need to go too, right? We need to leave that place of condemnation and go and sin no more. Father God, we love you. And God, we humbly come into your presence this morning. Holy Spirit, fill this place. God, I pray your word will come with power. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. God, we're amazed at your word. We're amazed that right now we're praying to the one who spoke everything into existence. You're huge, you're holy, you're God, and you're here. In Jesus' name, amen. 2,000 years ago on a grassy hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, Jesus preached the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, his kingdom manifesto about what it means to be his followers and what it means to live in his kingdom. Understand, Maple Grove, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' followers are now empowered to live lives that are different, that are distinct from the world around them and from the religious leaders who are over them. Different and distinct in regards to lust, anger, marriage, divorce, truth-telling, keeping our word, responding when wrong, how we treat our enemies, where to store up our treasures, and as we saw last week, different in how we deal with worry and anxiety. Such relevant and practical stuff, amen? Relevant and practical 2,000 years ago, and still relevant and practical today. Now the passage we're going to dive down into this morning, begin diving down into is Matthew 7, verses 1 through 6. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Question, have you ever heard that verse before? Now maybe you've heard it in the good old KJV. Judge not, lest you be judged. Yet people don't even believe the Bible, but boy, they believe that verse. And they say with an attitude, judge not, lest you be judged. In other words, you have no right to tell me how to live. I'll do whatever I want with my life. And understand, both non-Christians and Christians have weaponized this verse to prevent anyone from making a moral judgment on their life. Both Christians and non-Christians. You cannot tell me how to live. Who are you to tell me that this behavior is wrong or sinful? I mean, even this Jesus of yours said, judge not, lest you be judged. Question, but is this what Jesus is saying? Like, is Jesus really saying that we're never to call out sin as sin? Is Jesus saying that we always have to keep our mouth shut when we see a brother or sister caught up in an ungodly attitude or behavior? Is Jesus saying that We're not allowed to proclaim or affirm our beliefs in the moral truths found in the Bible. Like that a child in the womb is alive and is being knit in that womb by the hands of God. Like that God's intent for sexual expression is one man, one man, one woman in a covenant relationship. Or like we read in Genesis that God created them male and female. Are we not allowed to say those things because so many people in our world will view those biblical beliefs as being both hateful and judgmental? Okay, back to our text. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then, someone say and then. You'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs or to swine. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Okay, that's our text for today's conversation. The title of which is the longest title I've ever had. To judge or not to judge, now that's a really good question, right? Longest title I have ever had. Twelve words, right? It's a biblical number, right? Question. Do you think that the topic of judge not lest you be judged is relevant? Do you think that judging other people, especially rash and harsh judgment, is an issue that our current is, a, is an issue in our current culture? Has the church, have Jesus followers ever gotten it wrong when it comes to judging other people? Do you think that the words in Matthew 7 have often been misunderstood, abused, and misapplied? Now, as I've already mentioned, this passage of Scripture is often misinterpreted and weaponized in an effort to shut down any and all moral judgment. And quite effectively, I might add. I mean, whenever these words are weaponized and they fall into the hands of a skilled marksman, they really do shut down all moral discernments. In fact, I'm convinced that this is one of the most pervasive values in our culture. Tolerate everything. Every kind of behavior, every kind of belief system. You have no right to say that something is right or wrong, bad or good. Judge not, lest you be judged. Unless that is, if you are a Christian who actually believes the Bible is the highest authority, then judging is not only fair game, it's applauded. One author I read this week mentioned that Christian values at one time dominated culture. Slowly they were marginal in culture, then indifferent to culture, and now pretty much culture is hostile to Christian biblical values. Judge not or you too will be judged. Now, it does stink to be judged, right? Like, how many of you have ever been judged wrongly? Now, oddly enough, that has never happened to me. <laughs> like, no one ever judges me. No, actually, it's kind of the opposite, right? I mean, it goes with the territory, right? Uh, that's it. I, I know I'm being judged, you know, and, and it's just okay. Nothing to do about it. But it's kind of horrible to judge, right? And listen, it's no secret that this theme alone is probably the number one theme that drives non-Christians away from Christianity. Those Christians, they're just so judgmental. They're so narrow-minded. So hypocritical. Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. But what does that exactly mean? Like, what did Jesus mean when he said that 2,000 years ago? I mean, if that's true... But you can't judge anyone, then we have to acknowledge that no teacher has the right to judge an essay. Who are you to say that that was an A or a B? 
You have no right to judge my paper. I mean, if we take it at face value, then no jury has the right to judge or hold someone accountable for a crime. Who are you to say that I'm innocent or guilty? And no police officer has the right to tell you you're driving on the wrong side of the road. Who are you to judge me? I feel better driving on this side of the road. You have no right to tell me where I can drive. Judge not, lest you be judged. And hey, next time you're pulled over, try that, right? You're speeding. Hey, judge not, lest you be judged. And let me know how that goes for you, right? Probably not well. But this is really what Jesus is saying in his kingdom manifesto. Yeah, I think we all probably agree that at some level, maybe we're allowed to judge other people. Question, does a, a father have the right to judge a guy who comes to pick up his daughter at his house? If the guy doesn't have a job, dropped out of school, is obviously on drugs, and thinks socialism is being very active on social media. Does a, does a homeowner have the right to judge a guy that he paid to paint his house if he painted the house the wrong color? Does a Jesus follower have the right to speak into the life of another believer who's caught up in some sinful behavior? Like, like what if the guy is verbally abusive to his wife? And what if his wife happens to be your daughter? Does a Jesus follower have the right and maybe even the obligation to express their beliefs in the public forum. But what if those beliefs are in direct disagreement with our current culture and are viewed as hate speech? Like, can you see how very complicated and yet important, incredibly important it is that we get this right? Do not judge, or you too will be judged. What exactly does Jesus mean? And how can we figure it out? Like, like how can we know that our understanding of Jesus' words in Matthew 7 are the correct ones. And again, it's so important that we get this right. I wrote, I'm not sure. No, I'm really sure that many times we don't. Listen, because many times we've misunderstood what Jesus meant by judging others. It has led to the church getting it wrong. And really earning, I mean really earning that label, Christians are so judgmental. Misunderstanding this has led to Jesus followers hiding their light, the truth of the gospel, under a basket for fear of offending someone and being accused of being judgmental and hateful. Misunderstanding this has led to one Jesus follower destroying another Jesus follower because their judgment was not, was all about condemning someone rather than restoring someone. Yeah, it's so important that we get this right. And listen, I want you to know that it's extremely important that I get it right as I stand up here as God's spokesman. And I got to tell you, when I typed those words out yesterday, God's spokesman, not only was it intimidating, it seemed kind of presumptuous of me. Nevertheless, that's who I am. And that's what I'm doing every Sunday when I stand up here. And I want you to know that I take it very, very, very seriously. For one thing, because of what James says in James chapter 3. This is for me. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more Severely. 
And, and I got to tell you, I spent a lot of time this week wrestling with this passage, reading and studying and praying and listening. And when I woke up early Sunday morning, I knew it was time for me to try to begin to pull it all together the best way I could, the clearest way I could, the most accurate way that I could. When I woke up Saturday morning, here's what I was staring at, right? That, when I have a tough passage, that, that, that's, that's what I do. I grab a file folder, and I start reading and writing and scribbling and crossing out. I mean, and it's like, starting like, okay, now it's time to, to kind of pull this together. See, I, I recognize that it's extremely important to handle the Word of God accurately. See, it says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, right? Like, it's single-edged. You want me to cut you with this single-edged? We'll see how that goes. But here's why I grabbed my son's sword. A Japanese sword is called what? What? Katana. Good job. And see, when this weapon is, like if I started swinging this, woo! All right, gather around me for a prayer circle, and I'm just swinging this, right? That would be dangerous, right? That would be very dangerous. And see, let me make sure I don't stab myself. <laughs> ah! Nine one one. Preacher cut himself. Okay. But see, when this is handled wrong, not only has it caused damage and destruction, but we missed out on so much healing and restoration that the word can bring. So it's so important that we handle, that we divide the word of God correctly. Let's do this. To judge or not to judge, now that's a really good question. The way I want to attack this conversation is by unpacking three statements. Judging not, verses one and two. Removing the speck, verses three through five. And knowing when to not, verse six. Just let you know, we're only unpacking one today because I found out there's just too much stuff here. And this is so important. And we've gotten it wrong so much. I've gotten it wrong so much. The church has gotten it wrong so much that I, I can't rush through this, right? So today we're just talking about judging not. Okay? Now when we study scripture, especially ones that are really hard, hard to understand, that are often misinterpreted, misapplied, how can we figure out what they actually mean? By implying basic principles of biblical interpretation, right? Fancy word is hermeneutics, right? And, and, and by the way, um, in the summer of 2018, I, I did like a, a 10 or 12-week series called Understanding the Bible, right? The summer of 2018, where I talked about how we got the Bible, how to understand the Bible, all about the canon, right? Most of the stuff I probably forgot already, right? Uh, but I may listen to it again. But summer of 2018, I talked about how to understand the Bible. You may want to check that out. And one of, the, one of the key principles we talk about a lot around Maple Grove is the principle of context. Question, context is what? It's king, right? And this is about not taking the verse out of its context. And we want to know who wrote it, when they wrote it, why they wrote it, who they wrote it to. We want to know what comes after that verse, what comes before that verse, we don't want to pull a verse or a passage out of its context, right? Because you can get 
a wrong interpretation. For example, in Psalm 41, we find these words. There is no God. Brothers, I stand before you today. The Bible says there is no God, right? Well, what's the context? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. See, context is important. So what's the context of Matthew 7, 1 through 6? Well, it's just right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' kingdom manifesto about how his followers are to live their lives distinct and different from the world around them and the leaders over them. And here's the deal. When, when you and I make context king, what we're doing is we're using Scripture to understand Scripture, right? Which is really a good plan, uh, an accurate plan. Question, what comes right before Matthew chapter 7, verse 1? Judge not, lest you be judged. The answer is, what comes before Matthew 7 is Matthew what? 6. Good job. And one of the big things in chapter 6 is hypocrisy. I mean, Jesus is hammering the Pharisees for being hypocrites. Like in verse 2 and verse 5 and verse 16, he, he's dealing with their hypocrisy when they give, when they fast, when they pray, they're being hypocrites. So the flow of Jesus' teaching is a the theme of hypocrisy. In fact, most of chapter 5 is about hypocrisy. They were, Pharisees were hypocrites in regards to anger and murder and lust and adultery and marriage and divorce and telling the truth and how to treat your enemies. In fact, it says in Matthew 5 verse 20, unless your righteousness exceeds out of the Pharisees, right, you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. See, the Pharisees, their favorite pastime was judging other people, right? Like the woman caught in adultery, like the tax collector in the temple. I mean, they judged Jesus all the time, right? They judged him for how he ate, how he washed his hands. They judged him for the people that he hung out with. They judged him for healing on the Sabbath. And they judged him worthy of death. That's what comes before Matthew 7, verse 1. What comes after it? Well, the rest of Matthew 7. Where we see Jesus, among other things, Instructing us to remove the speck from our brother's eyes. Not give what is sacred to pigs and dogs. To watch out for false prophets who we know by their fruit. And understand, removing a speck out of our brother's eyes, determining who's a pig, who's a dog, a false prophet, what fruit is good fruit or bad fruit, requires some kind of judgment. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? Okay, what I'm trying to say is that Matthew 7, 1 through 6, Jesus is not telling us that we're to live our lives without any discernment whatsoever. He's not telling us we have no right to speak into the life of another believer. He's not telling us we must hide and remain silent about biblical truth. Instead, he's telling us we must be very, 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 very careful about how we judge. He's calling out, not exercising judgment, but being judgmental. And there's a huge difference between the two. You see, judging someone is about discerning truth based on facts. Being judgmental is about being censorious. Who's ever heard that word before? Smart people have, right? Every commentator had that word. I go, what does that mean? It means being severely critical, right? Censorious. I feel really smart today. I shouldn't have told you I didn't know what it meant, but you I got my little censorious. You should see it up here. It's not 
It's not real phonics, but it's Stephonics, right? Anyhow, let me go back, sorry. Judging someone is about discerning truth based on facts. Being judgmental is about being censorious and finding fault with other people without cause based on personal feelings or assumptions. Without cause based on personal feelings or assumptions. I know that's a lot of background material, right? But that's really important for us to understand and begin unpacking what Jesus really meant. Now, before we dive in, two brief things. Brief commercial, a take two, and then we're going to jump back in, all right? The commercial is, all right, is Decision Sunday is next Sunday. And uh, if you're taking notes on the sheet, it says, what is your decision from Decision Sunday? If you're alive and breathing, you have a decision to make, right? And sometimes we think, well, it's for people to be surrendered to Christ and be baptized. Yep, you can do that. Well, you can do that any day. But if you've not done that yet, really think about that. Talk to me. I have some, there's a video about baptism on our website, why it's a big deal, and why we practice it here, why we practice immersion. Or, or maybe you want to join the church. We have some videos about that. And you say, hey, I, I want to be a part of the church here. Watch the videos on our website. They're called Belong and Join. But everyone has a decision to make, right? You know, if you're not serving, maybe your decision to start serving. If you don't go to a Bible study, maybe it's to go to a Bible study. If you're not in a life group, maybe it's to join a life group, right? If you're not reaching out in the community, maybe it's, hey, I'm going to find a ministry in the community to touch someone out there who needs to know about Jesus. If you're not giving an offering, maybe it's to give an offering. But I, I challenge you to pray and ask God, hey, what decision do you want me to make in order to further my journey as a Christ follower and as a member of his church, all right? And without any further ado, I don't know what ado means, but we're not going to do it any further, and we're going to take two. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and pray us back. Oh, Lord, uh, we thank you. And God, so many times we, we get issues in the Bible wrong. God, help us always, and us includes me, to always be open to new truth that is in your word. Help us not to always think we know everything because we certainly don't, but help us to rely and make the Bible the highest authority, not just in the church, but in our own lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Judging not. Do not judge or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, there are several ways that we are to, to judge not. Number one, don't judge superficially. Have you ever judged people superficially? And what does that even mean? Well, one way to judge people superficially is to judge others based on their appearance. And you know, Jesus actually talked about that in John chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus said, stop judging by mere appearance, but instead, judge correctly. Oh, so it's okay to judge? Yeah, if you do it what? If you do it correctly, which that's what next week is about. Have you ever judged someone by their appearance? Like some people may look at me and say, you know what? That guy's old, right? No, I'm not. I'm not old at all, right? Now, studies have shown that people really do judge by appearance. In fact, attractive students 
get more attention and higher evaluations from their teachers than lesser attractive students. Good-looking patients get more personalized care from their doctors. Handsome criminals actually receive lighter sentences than lesser attractive criminals. And looks matter at work too. According to research done by a couple econ professors at University of Texas and Michigan State, they found that plain-looking people, which is a nice way of saying not good-looking, right? Plain-looking people earn 5 to 10% less than average-looking people, who in turn learn, earn 5 to 8% less than attractive people. Height and weight also matter. A study of male graduates from the University of Pittsburgh found that taller students, their average starting salary was 12% higher than their shorter colleagues. A, a guy named Gordon Pastor, who spent three decades studying and writing about physical attractiveness, wrote this. Human beings are hardwired to respond favorably to attractive people. Studies of babies have shown that they look more attentive and longer, babies, more attentive and longer at attractive faces. And I'm like, that explains it. Like, like babies are always staring at me like they cannot take their eyes off of me. And I always wonder, why is that happening? Now I know. Now I know. Hey. Judge not. <laughs> and, and listen, I don't think I need to tell you that we live a time in our culture where government leaders and the media and our educational system want us to do just that. They want us to judge each other by our appearance, right? Judge us by the, what, the color of our skin, right? And you know what? That may be the way that culture is trending. But that's not our kingdom. Our kingdom is Jesus' kingdom, amen? We don't judge people by what they look like. We don't judge by the color of their skin. We don't judge people by how they dress. Jesus says, stop judging by appearance, but instead, correctly judge. James wrote this in this letter about judging by appearance. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, you must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes to your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, drives up in a Bentley, right? He can, has all kinds of gold. Dying. You can tell he has a lot of money wearing a $5,000 suit. I wouldn't even know what that would look like, but I guess they are, right? A $10,000 watch, whatever, right? And a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes because he may tie it to your church, hey, here's a good seat for you. But you say to the poor guy, hey, sit over there. Or here's a place on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? See, it's evil to judge by mere appearance. Down in verse 8, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and convicted by the law as a lawbreaker. Hey, hey Josh, a little later... The next slide is like a picture thing. And when I ask for it, I want you to hit it and like only for like, like two seconds and then take it away. Love you, brother. All right. Hey, you didn't hear that, right? I was supposed to say that during the take two and I forgot for church and I forgot. But, so you didn't hear that. Forget you heard that, right? Now, another way that we judge people superficially is when we jump to conclusions without having all the facts, with only seeing a part of the story. And listen, because of social media, there's a little epidemic of people rushing to judgment without context. 
with only a part of the story, without all the facts, all based on what it looks like, all based on just a quick snapshot, all right? I'm going to show you a picture, and he's, you're going to see it, take it away, and then I want you to tell me what it is. Go, Josh. What was it? It is a sink draining. Go ahead. It just, right? It, it, it's, see, things are not always they appear, right? Some of you are trying to figure it out, okay? See, there's a soap, okay? But like the little mirror, right? And the little car, hey, guess what? That car is closer than it actually looks. See, context matters. Given all people the benefit of the doubt matters. Listen, people deserve that rather than our judgmental assumptions and rash condemnations. Amen? Amen? Amen. Hey, I heard about a guy who was on a plane and getting really angry and frustrated because the guy in front of him had a, a toddler-aged son who just would not stop crying, who would not settle down. Finally, the guy had enough. He got up and he started to let this young father have it, whatever it is, Right? We've been on this plane for three hours. Your son has not been quiet for the entire time. What's the problem? Do you not know how to parent? And where's the boy's mother anyhow? Maybe she can do something about this kid. The dad said she's in the casket in the plane. We're taking her home to the funeral. My son's had a hard time ever since she passed away. Things are not always as they seem, right? We make a snap judgment of someone. Oh, that's why they're that way. You ever judge like that? But what you think is going on? Ever been judged that way? Like maybe some of you noticed, Steve has some new shoes on, right? And actually what I have on is slippers. And you're like, what kind of pastor I know this, the dude's casual, but okay, this is pushing a little bit too far, right? right? And, and actually, you know, I had some big toe issues that needed to have my toenail ripped off and infection cleaned out, and, and then um, um, the roots burned so my nail won't grow back because I'm done. I've had that nail for 63 years. I'm done. I don't need it anymore. And, 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 uh, and, and so my toe's kind of sore, so I'm wearing this, right? But someone could say, well, gosh, all right, dude, ugly shoes, or the dude's wearing slippers. What kind of pastor, right? It just, we do that, right? I mean, I, I, I can, you know, be driving down the road and see certain bumper stickers on the car. I go, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Let me get in the other lane. I want to see what they look like. Oh yeah, yep, yep, yep. I don't even know that. Maybe they just bought the car. Maybe they stole the car. I don't know. Let's not judge for we have all the facts. Let's not assume the worst about people. Let's not judge people based on their worst moment. Like judging an entire life based on that one snapshot that we saw. And I know that our culture does that all the time. You ever been on social media? You ever read comments in the news section? But we're not called to be like culture. We're called to be like Jesus. Jesus said, hey, my kingdom, we don't do it that way. 
Don't judge superficially. Don't judge hypocritically. Don't be like the Pharisees, right? Like the guy in Luke 18. I'm so glad I'm not like this sinner. Or, or, or like the Pharisees who drug the woman. They weren't interested in justice. They wanted to condemn her. People make a mistake, and we want to just, people, our world wants to just drag people in there. I can't believe, you know, uh, they just pound on people. Jesus said, hey, we don't do it that way. We don't judge hypocritically. I, I think one of, the time, one of the reasons the world has such a hard time with us, because we come at the world harsh and judgmental. You wicked sinners, you filthy pagans. And they're like, hey, have you looked in the mirror? Have you looked in the mirror? I've never seen anybody more hateful at work than you. I see you clocking out from home. And now you're going to point out my sin? You know, we judge, we can't not judge hypocritically. Does that make sense? In Romans 2, Paul talks about that. He said, hey, verses 1 through 4, he says, hey, look, you're judging other people, but you're doing the same thing. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you're condemning yourself. For you judge others and you do the very same things. Since you judge others who are doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when, he, when you do the same things? And then he goes down and the same thing. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Kind, tolerant, and patient with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you away from your sin? And maybe if we're more kind and patient and loving and compassionate, right, maybe people would turn as well. And listen, this judging hypocritically is so easy and so common. Like, we tend to accuse others and excuse ourselves. You ought to hear what they did. Oh, my gosh. Do you know what I heard? Me? Oh, wait, wait, you don't know the whole story. I mean, if you just knew what I went through, you'd understand. If you just knew my intentions, that's not who I am. It's just the one time, right? We accuse others and we want to excuse ourselves, right? It's getting kind of quiet in here, right? I must be hitting on the nerve a little bit, right? Next, don't judge unwarily. That's actually a word. I didn't know it was. Because I'm going for the LYs, all right? And that means without heed or caution. And wearily. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Don't judge unaware that the measure you use to judge others is how God is going to judge you. And we've seen this sermon already, right? Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, I won't what? Forgive you. If you don't show mercy, I won't what? Show mercy to you. Do you want God, do I want God to judge me the way I judge other people? By their worst moment, by appearance, without mercy, without compassion, without love. And, and I think another way we see this with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Like, if, if we judge the world that way, we shouldn't be surprised we judge the world without all the facts, by, by appearance, harsh, 
and judgmental, angry and hateful, we shouldn't be surprised when that is how the world judges us, right? I think in many ways, the way the world's so angry at the church is because the church has been so angry at the world. And we're just getting back what we threw out. You sinner, you pagan, you're lost, you're terrible, you're ruined. And we're just getting back what we threw out. This is a totally made up word. Don't judge outsidedly. (laughs) Outsidedly. Hey, come on. Work with me, folks. Uh, What business of mine to judge those outside the church? (laughs) Outsidedly. Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. You see, if we're believers, we're part of the same family, right? And we're called to help each other and to encourage each other, to to, to admonish each other, to gently restore each other. Because that's our family. And, And like... I'm sure every family in here has certain family rules, right? You got any family rules, right? You know, well, we have family rules. I can't expect your family, and you can't expect my family to live by each other's rules, right? Hey, that's your family. That's your business. That's my family. That's my business. And the point I'm trying to make is, if someone is outside of the family of God, we don't hold them accountable to Christian family values. What business of mine judge those outside the church? Like we don't expect them to act like Jesus before they surrender to Jesus, right? I mean, that's not their family yet. Now, now this doesn't mean that we never speak up for biblical truth. I'm not saying that at all. That's what it means to be salt and light. What I'm saying is that we have to stop holding people... like, yeah, we got, enough, we got enough stuff inside, right? And most of us have enough inside here, right? We got enough inside the church. You got enough junk in you. I got enough junk in me to keep us busy till the sky cracks open and Jesus comes back. Amen? So don't judge outsidedly. Don't judge preferentially. <laughs> I know you love my words, right? And we do this, right? This is when we judge on our preferences, you ever done that? Like, what kind of person does not think that Tom Brady is the goat, right? I mean, I don't understand. Who would ever love cats or dogs, right? How can anyone worship the music like that, right? Hey, that's preferences, right? We, we don't judge by our pre- There are preferences. My preferences are not yours, right? I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that. Here's the next one. We're about done. Don't judge enjoyably. Like, if you're like, I just so much love judging people. I mean, when I'm pointing out the faults of others, I just feel so alive inside, right? If that's you, that is not good. Repent, hang out with Jesus more. Amen? And, and finally, it's, it's a bonus. Don't judge condemningly. And what I mean by that, 
If your goal in judging people is to destroy people and not restore people, you're doing it wrong. We don't judge looking to condemn. We don't judge a point after sin and walk away. We judge in order to restore people. We don't judge condemningly. We judge correctly. And we'll dig into more of this next week as we talk about moving the speck and how to know when not. As I wrap up, 2,000 years ago on a grassy hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, Jesus proclaimed his kingdom manifesto. In this manifesto, he talked about so many practical and relevant things. And one of the things he talked about was judging others. When it comes to judging others, Jesus says, hey, I know this is how the world does it. I know this is how the religious do it. But that's not how we do it in my kingdom. We don't do it that way. Let's work at getting this right, amen? I need work. Turn to the person next to you and say, I need work. You thought I'd say, you need work. You're just so excited. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to burst your bubble. All right. Hey, I know that's a lot of stuff, right? So important, right? So important, you know, to get this right. You know, to line our lives with the biblical truth of Jesus, right? Um, if you guys would stand, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And uh, every week... As we conclude our time together, we take communion. At the various stations, you'll find communion cups you can pick up. If you've not picked those up yet, that's where we have our offering boxes. I'm going I'm to pray us in. Heavenly Father, thank you for your patience with us, your compassion with us. Thank you for not judging us by our worst moment. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood washes away our worst moment and every other moment away and makes it white as snow. Lord, forgive us for, forgive me, forgive us for the times we got it wrong and, and we so earned that label of being so judgmental. God, help us to get it right. Holy Spirit, help us to get it right. In Jesus' name, amen.